Your next promotion is within your control, and this podcast shows you how to get there. Welcome to episode number 126. Today's episode is super special for me as I am bringing on a dear friend and colleague of mine to talk about the power of embodying self-awareness as a leader. You might have met Jay Fields on LinkedIn Learning. Her course, Managing Your Emotions at Work, has over 250,000 downloads. (laughs) Our conversation today is so impactful and so brilliant, and I just can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. Welcome to Maximize Your Career with Stacey Mayer, a podcast about achieving your career goals while also being yourself. Hello, corporate badasses. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Career. I'm your host, Stacey Mayer, and especially excited to be here with you again this week. I have a very special guest slash full transparency friend of mine um, who connected with me unbeknownst to herself. It was through her team actually reached out to me to be on my podcast. And I was like, what? I know her. Yes. Why had we never thought of this before? And so this is just such a magical connection. And I'm so excited to have her on here and for you to be able to learn from her amazing wisdom today little background on how I know Jay, and I'll do a more formal introduction of her in just a minute, is through Eleanor Beaton's incubator program. As you know, Eleanor Beaton is my business coach, and she also wrote the foreword for my book, Promotions Made Easy. So you've heard a lot about her on this podcast and how much I adore her and all her work. And the other thing that I don't talk about a lot is all of the amazing leaders that are inside of her programs. It has been the most extraordinary, impactful group of women that I have met in my career personally. And I'm just constantly in touch with them and learning from them outside of the program as well. And so that is just another benefit to being a part of these larger communities where you can meet people that you never would have met on your own. And so I'm super grateful for that and that her podcast producer reached out to me, which is amazing. Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. I am so delighted. I love being in this setting with you. I, you know, I feel so connected to you and, but we've never had this experience. So I'm very excited to be here. Exactly. You're sort of like, I mean, this is the way I am. It's like, what? Why haven't we done this before? It's so great. So you guys are welcome into our living room right now. <laughs> this yep. is basically a living room conversation and I'm excited. But to formalize the living room conversation, let me give a little bit of an introduction so you know how badass Jay really is. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just dive right in. Jay Fields has devoted her life to helping people manage their emotions more effectively. More than 250,000 people have gone through her courses, including the most popular one, Managing Your Emotions at Work. This is a LinkedIn learning course, and I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can definitely check it out after you listen to this episode. Her approach to helping people have their own back at work and in life is grounded, playful, empathetic, and intelligent. Jay received her BA in psychosocial health and human movement from the College of William and Mary and her master's integral transformative education from Prescott College. When not facilitating trainings, you can find Jay riding her motorcycle with her sweetie in the mountains outside of Ojai, California, where she lives. 
Thank you, Jay. Thank you so much again for being here. Yeah, I love it. Very excited. So before we get into all of the amazing tools and tricks and everything that you're going to give our listeners today, why don't we start out with some of your personal secrets to success? What has gotten you to this point in your career? I'd say the number one thing that's gotten me to this point in my career is doing the inside work to be able to be a person who I can most often say my insides match my outsides. Okay. Now you're going to have to tell us more because I'm like, you know, is that like blood and guts or what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Here, let me show you. Um, Well, actually I had a person reach out to me yesterday, a potential client, and she said it perfectly. She said, I read something you said about insides matching outsides. And I was like that I need that because I know when I show up with my team, I show up as an encyclopedia of knowledge. I do not show that on the inside, I feel insecure and I feel like a fraud or all of the the mixed stuff that happens on the inside. So to me, insides matching outsides is that piece of, I can track my own experience and manage it enough, whether I'm managing emotions or managing my nervous system enough to be who I am on the outside as the same as who I am on the inside. I just had this beautiful image. So she referred to herself as an encyclopedia of knowledge on the outside. And, and, and then I think you, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but you must get them to an encyclopedia of wisdom on the inside. Oh, right? there you go. <laughs> I was like, nice. it's so beautiful, right? Though, because it's like when we talk about our insides, and I think because we are such a work in progress, and I have done a lot of spiritual inner work on myself personally, and even I find myself really referring to the work in progress aspect, maybe not owning the work that I have done on myself spiritually to be able to get me to the point where I am able to be successful, right? To even deliver this information to you. I had to do the inner work on myself to even get here and have this podcast. Absolutely. And the success is in part due to the encyclopedia of knowledge that you have in your head about your expertise. But you know, if I were to be so bold as to compare myself in even the smallest way to Brene Brown. It's like mm-hmm. the fact that Brene Brown's research is brilliant, but w- what makes her truly successful is that she knows intimately her own shame and shows her vulnerability because as a shame researcher and a vulnerability researcher, she can't be truly good at what she does if she doesn't mm-hmm. show that she lives her work. About 12 years ago, I wrote a book. I was a yoga teacher for 20 years. And I, I wrote a book called Teaching People Not Poses. And the, the subtitle- <laughs> I love it, that. <laughs> right? The subtitle was 12 Principles for Teaching Yoga with Integrity. And I published it and I was so excited. And then like that same afternoon, I was like, oh crap. I just wrote a book that said how to teach yoga with integrity. I'm going to have to do that. <laughs> you know, my master's degree you you mentioned was in transformational education or integral education. And that whole idea is, is experiential education. And the bane of every experiential educator's life is that you have to be able to do what you're teaching. You have to so experience. if I'm teaching emotional regulation and nervous system mm-hmm. regulation and having relational intelligence, I got to do it. I love it. Yeah, we have to do it, right? We have to walk the talk. And I think as leaders as well, and we'll talk later on today about 
how to relate with your team and things like that. And I think that's where as leaders, we kind of get lost because we do the work for ourselves, and but it's it's kind of self-centered and right. And it's about us. And then we forget to walk the talk. And actually the whole point is so that we can be a better leader so that we can connect more with our team, our organization, our leadership, right? Whatever that might be. It is relational. It's not one-sided. And so I think that's really important. The overarching theme behind my work is if we were, if humans were fundamentally achievement oriented beings, then we would get fulfillment through our achievement and our acquisitions. Ah. But we are primarily and Mm -hmm. fundamentally relational beings from Mm -hmm. the moment we're born Mm -hmm. to the moment we die. Everything we do is in the context of relationship. And that's where we're going to actually get fulfillment. So even though all the work that I talk about on my LinkedIn learning courses and in these interviews is about the workplace, really, it's about how do you show up as a person and do you like yourself in your relationships that you're in on a day-to-day basis? I love that. Speaking of liking yourself, <laughs> what would you say was a pivotal moment for yourself where you were able to even want to do this work to get your master's, whatever it was? I'm sure you must have some sort of story. Oh, of course, there's a story. <laughs> Let's see where where to enter into it. I would identify as someone who I grew up in outside of DC in a culture that was very much valued thinking and achievement. And I was a sensitive, emotional kid. Also very good at school, did all the right things, checked all the boxes, but definitely grew up in a culture in which the unspoken rule was being a good person means never making anyone else uncomfortable. I shouldn't deprive anyone else of something because I have a need. Really difficult place to orient yourself (laughs) in terms of going into adulthood, trying to find meaningful relationships and meaningful work. And, you know, I really struggled in my twenties in terms of finding healthy relationships on a personal level and also knowing my worth and having a strong enough sense of self and value to step into any kind of career. I was always an entrepreneur, but that's where I really struggle. So all of my my learning and my graduate work and my trainings all were first and foremost for me to figure this stuff out. Like, how is it that I, as such a smart person, got so derailed from knowing how to do the basic things of like, Pick people to relate to who are kind and loving and know my value in my work. So that's the broad strokes of the personal story that brought me to trying to figure out how it is that so many of us smart, quote unquote, successful people on the inside are not feeling good. Right. And one of the things that you said is the unspoken rule of not making other people uncomfortable or not putting people out because of your own needs. The opposite of that doesn't feel very appealing to me. So it's like, make other people feel uncomfortable, put other people out. I don't want to do that. So I would prefer, I mean, this is subconsciously to to stay in this sort of safe space where it's like, everybody's comfortable. But then like you said, inside you're screaming. So what's that balance where you're able to stand up to assert yourself, whatever that might mean, but it's not this opposite. 
that whole opposite thing, you named it perfectly. And it's a false premise, right? Mm. It's this false premise that there's one reality. If you're in a relationship with someone, most of us have been brought up unconsciously to believe there's one reality here and we have to fight for who gets it. One of us is going to be the better one. One of us is going to be the stronger one. One of us is going to get our way. If there's two people, there's two realities. And those people get to each have their own experience. I don't know if this is making sense, but you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it in terms of how you show up at work as a leader. I was working with someone recently who was just recently a CEO, six months in at a new organization, and she was flailing. She reached out to me because she knew she wasn't feeling good in her role. She knew it was unsustainable for her, unsustainable for her organization. And through our conversation, we identified that she was quote unquote, leading from what I would call a one down place Mm -hmm. where she was trying to make everyone else comfortable. She didn't want to rock the boat. She didn't want to come across as that opposite of, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to be dictatorial and selfish and not at all empathetic to my people. And so we talked about, it. I was like, well, that's built on that false premise that you're either going to be one down or you're going to be one up from somebody. The word of wisdom I have for leaders out there is to enter in as same as, that that's that middle place. It's not black and white. There's a place that's gray where we all have value. We all have worth and we all also have our own experiences, Mm. you know, in the sense that for this client of mine, she was like, I'm working my tail off and I'm carrying extra weight for everyone else. It's not working for me. And if her insides get to matter, if she gets to have her own experience, then that isn't okay. And it doesn't mean then that everyone else has to take it on. It means that Mm -hmm. she has to come to her team and say, Hey, this isn't working. What would work for you? Cause here's what I need. How would that work? You know? So it's that back to relational. It's not black and white. There isn't one reality that's going to work here. There's two, or there's, if there's five people on the team, there's five. So how do we get to speak from our experience and say, how do we navigate this? I love that so much. So let's see. We're neither one up or one down, but we're remind me again what you said. Same so as. Brilliant. Same as. Mm-hmm. So but yeah, of course. It's so amazing. I I I just wanted to say something that came to mind there is I tell my clients to think of their executive team as their peer. And the first thing that comes up, they're like, no, but they're not, right? Like there's this hierarchy, this structure. And I I'm like, you know, mentally, the way you show up, you're not going to walk in there and diminish their authority, but it's from an attitudinal standpoint that you are, of course, you are worthy to be in the room with that executive. Of course, you are their peer. Really, you have so much value to add to their life, to their job, to their work. Absolutely. And and for me and my work, you know, my orientation is very much embodiment and embodied self-awareness. So when I was working with this client and with all my clients, I often will say, like, what does it feel like in your body? when you orient to being one down, mm-hmm. you know, when you feel like you walk into the room with your team and you're like, Oh, I can't put anybody out and I can't have needs. Like usually it feels small. You feel collapsed mm-hmm. in your chest. You feel, you know, that kind of shy kind of feeling. And then I say, what does it feel like to feel one up? And usually someone will say like, it feels really powerful because it does, but it yeah. also feels cold or it feels hard or it feels, you know, it's like a, I feel like a brick wall. 
And that's not where I want to lead from either. So then what is the experience? What is the sensation in your body of same as? So tell us more about that. I'd love to talk more from a practical standpoint about your work because I want everybody here to be able to walk away with what, what is that? How do we figure out? How do we get in touch with our bodies? How are we listening in this way? Because I mentioned that I was a yoga teacher and I wrote a book about yoga all those years ago. This is the piece of how it came in is Mm -hmm. I was working with people in their bodies in the context of yoga. But what I was really seeing was how when people are in their bodies and not in their heads, they show up differently. And so I studied embodied leadership and somatics and really started to understand that the research shows that our ability to have embodied self-awareness as opposed to conceptual self-awareness, opens us to all of these great characteristics that we think of a wonderful human being having. Things like empathy, courage, adaptability, resilience. That stuff we don't have because we're smart Mm -hmm. and we're self-aware. That stuff we have because we can be present in our body and know what our experience is know what our nervous system is doing, know what the sensations are in our bodies and what those sensations then tell us about what we're feeling, what the emotion is. You know, I often say to people, the the smarty pants people that I work with, like, if you aren't using your embodied intelligence, you are leaving a lot of knowledge on the table. And I was just thinking you're leaving a lot of impact on the table. So a lot of the women who listen to this podcast, what they'll do is not raise their hand for a, a higher role. And, you know, there's the whole thing, like I have to meet all of the qualifications and such like that, that women tend to do on an unconscious level. But I really think the biggest challenge is this is not sustainable. They're so intuitive that they're like, I actually don't want to be CEO because I know that if I bring this type of leadership that I'm embodying, quote unquote, right now to the next level, how in the world, how in the world am I going to be happy? Right? Like that is just not the answer. Like you said, you're leaving this intelligence on the table. You're leaving the ability to impact. Why are we trying to change the leadership table. Why do we want to be at the leadership table? It is to change the leadership table, right? It is to bring ourselves. It's not just to recreate what's already happening. Exactly. Again, for me, the big picture piece of it is it's, I think so many people are, are suffering because they got the message that in order to be happy and successful, you become smart and achieve. Mm -hmm. And that's not bad. It's just not the whole picture. It leaves whole chunks of you outside when you go to work. I was thinking the other day about when I was thinking about talking with you today, Stacey, I was thinking about how like maybe six or so years ago, I was invited to speak at an offsite for a major accounting and consulting firm. And (laughs) I was on stage for an hour And I was talking about all this stuff about, you know, your insides matter and embodied self-awareness is how you get social emotional intelligence. And that's important because your work is really about relating. But this was a culture that's very, it's heady, Mm -hmm. it's achievement, it's get out of the way sort of thing. And I was looking out, Stacey, on this audience, and I could tell they were not digging it. (laughs) It was not the right message. You know, you're going to tell this story, which has a happy ending because you're here today. But I was like, I was picturing, you know, it really is. 
you know, you're the leader that you're digging it, right? I know for sure the women listening to this podcast are digging it and eating it up, eating it up. And they're also seeing the nine other leaders at their organization who aren't digging this. So it was actually right where I wanted to go was just like, okay, so now what do we do? Oh my gosh. I was in my crowd of 500 people. And I was like, I think 400 and some of these people hate this. Um, (laughs) And so right after I got off stage, we were ushered into a formal dinner and I was like, Oh God, I don't want to go to this, but I, I love food. And I'm like, I'm going to dinner. So anyway, I go in there and I'm like the pariah, nobody will come up and speak to me. What normally what happens after I, I give know. a talk, people are like, Oh, that was so great. You know, so like great. no yeah. one's talked to me. And I was like, okay, okay. So this is a moment where I get to practice that it doesn't matter if these people don't think what I have to say is mm-hmm, important. Mm-hmm. I think what I have to say is important. And I believe in it and I'm going to eat yeah. my delicious dinner and, and go. Mm-hmm. But what happened was in the course of the night, about seven people uh-huh. kind of secretly found me, you know, in the hallway yeah. or came up to yeah. me. And those seven people, all of them, different story, tears in their eyes. Thank you so much. I needed to hear this. And one guy even said, young guy in his twenties, he said, if you ever doubt that your work is touching people, mm. know that tonight you changed someone's life. Wow. And the reason why I think of that story in regards to what we were talking about is I want to be at the table because I want to change what we say mm-hmm. the characteristics of a valuable leader are. Mm-hmm. I think a valuable leader is someone who has incredible relational intelligence to match their encyclopedic intelligence to match their drive because drive is part of it. Wanting to succeed is part of it, but it isn't all of it. How do we navigate this? As I'm listening to you, I'm like, this work is the answer, right? Like it is not only what is going to get you into those higher level leadership positions, but it is the change that we need to see because you can get promoted and bring all this other junk with you. So I see it as the change, but I also see that we're very busy human beings. And if we're stressed and we're already feeling a bit overwhelmed and taxed and all of these things, this feels like additive in some ways. I don't think it necessarily is. I think that there's a letting go piece, but I'm actually, that's the tap that I want to talk about is that what do we need to be willing to stop doing in order Mm. to allow this embodiment work and our embodied leadership practice to come with us? I really hear the piece of like, don't make it additive. <laughs> you know, <laughs> get that. Because there's plenty of ways that we could make it additive. What do we need to stop doing is like putting so much weight into figuring shit out in our head. Mm-hmm. Meaning, I was just talking with a client and she's a fairly new client. And she said, you know, we've worked three times together. And she said, what I am not doing anymore is constantly analyzing everything. I'm not thinking, 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 what does that mean? What's going to happen? She said, what I'm doing instead is I'm going to, what do I feel right now? And so the most basic level is what do I feel right now? Like actually in terms of sensation, what is the sensation Mm -hmm. I'm having in my body? Like, for example, right now I feel in my body, I'm leaning in, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got my shoulders up because I'm kind of like in that excitement, like, ooh, ooh. So my the sensation in my body right now tells me I'm excited and I'm interested. 
And that's information as opposed to being in my head and being like, oh, did she like what I just said? And am I saying the right thing? And what's the next thing I need to say that like kind of interrupting the the default path to thinking Mm -hmm. and start being curious of what's happening from my neck down right now. And what does that tell me about what part of me is showing up, what Mm -hmm. I need here, what I'm reading from the other person, what's real? I don't know. Does that help? No, it absolutely does. Because I see it as being getting to the answers faster, actually. And this is through my own experience as well. When I'm trying to figure things out and next steps and what I want to do cognitively, I spend a lot of energy and a lot of time working on that. And when I check in with my body, the answer is so freaking clear so fast. It's it's yes. either it's it really becomes this yes, no in a good way. Like it's just the clarity is so, so there. And so it could be the clarity from, you know, whether or not you're like, I'm gonna raise my hand, or it could be the clarity from I'm gonna reach out to this person or I'm gonna connect or I'm gonna get in relation, or it could be the clarity, I'm gonna take a nap. That type of embodiment really makes a lot of sense in terms of what you're going to give up. You're going to give up the overthinking, the spinning Mm -hmm. out, the trying to solve the wrong problems, like all of the nonsense. Right. Right. And then to add in like the more additive piece here, Mm -hmm. which is a huge part of what I work with my clients on is what part of you is having that experience. So we do a lot of um, parts work in the sense- Every one of us has all these. I don't know what this is. I'm like, oh, oh I want to know. <laughs> I sometimes call it the inner cast of characters, right? Okay. Like all of us have different parts, and there's always like the very young version of us that's mm-hmm. in there, the little kid that tends to be vulnerable and more scared and doesn't like adulting. And then there's all these other parts that I call the strategic parts. They're the parts that came on board to protect that vulnerable little self in the ways that we told were socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. So in my story, which is the story of many women, I know my little girl self is shy. She's emotional. She wants everybody to like her and she doesn't want any disharmony. Small world I would be living in if I let her run the show (laughs) is never going to raise her hand. My strategic selves are the, like the good girl, get the good grades, go, you know, get the promotion, be smart, never make anyone uncomfortable. And she, if she's running the show is never going to have my back. Yeah. She's going to say, take a nap, sweetie. You're tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. Depending on what each of those parts has an embodied feeling. So the same way that one up, one down and same as we can usually go, oh, I know what that feels like when I do that. Like, I know what it feels like when my little girl shows up. Wow. Because I want to hide. I can feel Mm -hmm. getting small. Even if I don't actually exhibit it, I can feel it. Mm -hmm. I know when that strategic part shows up because I get like tough and I call her tough girl, actually. Like she's she's tough. She's sarcastic. She's quippy. She's fast. She doesn't slow down. Uh And I can feel that. And so a huge part of what I do with my clients is like, okay, now that you have that basic skill set of what do I feel in my body, then you start to determine who is that? Mm -hmm. What part of me is that? Because if you're going to step into a leadership role, you want to know what part of you is stepping into that role. Ooh, 
You want to step in as Stacy. You want to step in as Jay. You don't want to step in as little Stacy. You don't want to step in as strategic Stacy. That is the sort of thing that it might get you there, Mm -hmm. but that's where it's not going to be sustainable and it's not going to be fulfilling. One of the things that the listeners of this podcast and the women I work with are really appreciate about the corporate badass name (laughs) that I give them is that it has this combination of that. The corporate badass definitely takes care of herself, takes vacations, spends time with her family, and is also willing to go for it, put herself out there, do the work, so to speak, that it's going to take to be successful. And by successful, I mean, build those relationships, make sure she's not on an island by herself. From the moment I came up with that, it's like an accident. But from an embodiment standpoint, I said something about, well, you're a corporate badass. And I was like, if from an embodiment standpoint, it was everything. I was like, oh yeah, Yeah. done. (laughs) That is, I feel it. And that is the place, right? That makes me think of how in my group coaching program, we have a module that's called be the adult in the room. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's oh also an embodied thing of yes. like, you know, the women I work with are like, oh, believe me, I know uh-huh. when I am not the grown up in that room. Yeah. Like I yeah, can totally. feel it, right? It's the tantrum or it's the uh-huh. hiding, yeah. whatever it is. So being being the adult in the room, mm-hmm. stepping into that badass and doing mm-hmm. it in a way that you embody it because mm-hmm. I think this is one of the things that I, I say so much. Like we have this was saying in our culture of fake it till you make it. When it comes to embodiment work, I think it's it's not that. It's about practice it until you embody it. Yeah. Because practicing, like mm-hmm. I'm gonna walk into this room, hold on, let me take a moment and feel the badass in me. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I can practice accessing badass energy before I yeah. walk into that meeting eventually there's going to become a day where I just am that. Yeah. Because I put it on enough times in my Uh body to know I could do this. I can be this. It's language as well. But what does this language make us feel? And when I hear fake it, I hear one up like immediately, right? Perform. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is not that. So you've been doing this work for a long time, and I'm curious if you have any surprises that you've had along the way, any success stories or any special stories that you'd be willing to share with us. One surprise that I've had in my coaching practice is that three quarters of my clients are sober. Oh, and oh, I that didn't give me chills. Right? Right. I yeah, I wouldn't have. For that. Uh-huh. I didn't. That's not my story. You know, I'm. I'm not saying in order to work with me, you have to give up alcohol, but what I found, and this makes so much sense retrospectively, is that two things happen. Either someone in their life decides, I know I'm using alcohol to manage, it's Mm -hmm. a strategy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm managing my anxiety. I'm managing the sense of depression or lack of fulfillment, social anxiety. I'm not going to do that anymore. And now that I've given that up, turns out I need skills. So yeah. they hire me because they need the skills to replace that smoke screen that was yes. alcohol. Yes. Or the other thing that happens is someone starts working with me and over the course of a couple months, they find that, and someone said this beautifully a few months ago to me, she said, I stopped drinking because I found that the subtlety that I've been developing in our work together, the subtlety of being able to feel myself Mm -hmm. and know what I'm experiencing goes away Mm -hmm. when I drink. 
And I don't want to tolerate that anymore. I like feeling me. Mm. So it's been a huge surprise along the way. I love that. So where do you see yourself and your work going next? I've recently developed a group coaching program because the last year has been a pivot in my life to go from working one-on-one only to being able to reach more people and enjoy that momentum and accountability that happens when you put your your body of work into a group learning context. And that's called Yours Truly, my program. And so what I see happening next is just really growing that, you know, mm. expanding how many people go through that and creating more of a sense of thank you to Eleanor, Eleanor Beaton, more of a sense of aligning now the the nitty-gritty day-to-day aspect of my work with the vision. This bigger vision of, hey, if 20 million people took yours truly, what would be possible in this world? <laughs> right? That's amazing. Right? And what I, what I see being possible is like, let's actually, like we were saying earlier, change what we think of as valuable in -hmm. terms of how we show up. Being the the heady, achievement-oriented, smarty pants isn't what's going to get you fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Being the embodied, socially and emotionally intelligent person is. Yeah, Let's do that. Mm -hmm. So I feel really excited about doing more of this, like spread that message. Oh, amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's, Let's do that a little more. Yeah, I love it. So speaking of that, how can people find you if they want to learn more about your work and connect with you online? So my website is my name, j-fields.com. And on there, you have access to yours truly program, which is the group coaching. I have one-on-one coaching. And I also have two LinkedIn learning courses. So you can link to them from my website or go directly to LinkedIn learning. And actually, this is part of your question Part of what's next is I have a third LinkedIn learning course that I am currently writing. It'll film in August and probably launch in November. And the the sneak peek of that is that it's about what I was talking about, about the parts work. Mm -hmm. And in particular, about not letting your insecurity be what leads you, but instead having an actual embodied sense of confidence at work. So that's and I the, love the exercise you shared with the different personalities that we have. And I just when you said that I saw the little girl. And it's just like this is just talk about embodiment. Like my brain just yeah. instantly went to this little child when you just said don't let your insecurity guide you. Right. And I was like, I saw there her. She is. <laughs> there she is. I mean, just like today, you know, right? 30 minutes. I'm like already downloading cool. what you're teaching. I love it so cool. much. That's amazing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Any advice that you would give us as we as we say goodbye today for corporate women looking to advance their career, but feeling a bit stuck, feeling underappreciated, but knowing that they're meant for more? Your insides matter. Stay with yourself. Stay with yourself means how am I feeling? What's happening in my body right now? The information that's there for you is important and it matters. And you're the first person to make it matter. Thank you so much, Jay. I'm so grateful for you being here. And I know so many people listening are as well. Thank you. My absolute pleasure, truly.
Hold up. Wait a minute. Before you go, I want to tell you about the changes that I have made to the Executive Ahead of Time coaching program. I recently celebrated my one-year anniversary of that program, and as a celebration, I decided to open it up for lifetime enrollment for all members. So what does that mean for you? It means that as soon as you join us inside of Executive Ahead of Time, you get immediate access to the 24 core training modules. You will get weekly live group coaching from me, and you'll also be invited to our weekly roundtable discussions where you get to connect with other peers, other powerhouse women, all looking to advance themselves into senior executive leadership positions for life. You are going to get lifetime access to everything that I offer inside of Executive Ahead of Time. So if you've been listening to this podcast and you resonate with everything that I share here, then run, do not walk to join us inside of the program. Go to executiveaheadoftime.com to register yourself today for life time enrollment. The earlier you register, the more lifetime coaching you get from me inside of the program. Go to executiveaheadoftime.com and I cannot wait to see you inside.